we'll go into the service this afternoon, uh, continuing where we were last week, announcing the good news of the gospel. And it came from verse 7, I think it was, in the 52nd chapter of Isaiah, 7th verse of the 52nd chapter, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. Depart ye, verse 11, Depart ye, depart ye, go out from thence. Touch no unclean thing, go ye out of the midst of her, but be ye, be ye clean, that bear the vessels of the Lord. Verse 10 reads, The Lord hath made bare his arm, holy in the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth, shall see the salvation of our God. That salvation of our God is the proclamation of his gospel, the good news, those glad tidings that go out to people. Uh, And that's to be published throughout the earth. He's speaking here of the salvation of mankind, which is great news. It's great news because... God had set us at enmity. We were at enmity with God. And anything that's at enmity with something can't be reconciled. It has to be changed. Or, or something has a transformation has to become, has to come between it. And those things has to go through something to become one again or to be transformed. And he said enmity between the woman's seed and the seed of the serpent. He shall bruise your heel, you shall bruise his head. That's a battle, an ongoing battle that'll be continually going on. But the good news is that we had been reconciled back unto God. That man had been reconciled that which he had been uh, cast away from in the tree of, in the Garden of Eden when he cast Adam out of the garden and that he had set the cherubim at the garden to keep man from the tree of life. Man was dead. He was without God. He had died in his trespasses and sins. But the good news is that the promised seed of the woman, the one that would come along and bruise the serpent's head, that God himself, God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. That's good news. That's glad tidings. But it's only good news to those whom God called or to whom God chose. To some that hear that news, they reject that. It doesn't make that much difference if it's like just hearing someone talk about the things of the world or talk about other things. You know, sometimes you ask people something or you say something to people it's making them aware of something not that you have a keen uh, interest in every detail or aspect of what you're asking them you ask them as a kindness or courtesy or or, a deference to their presence or whatever but everyone that preached this gospel won't receive this gospel it's going to fall on deaf ears it's going to fall on the people that rejected and when we say the gospel we 
we have the in the beginning of the New Testament we have what you call the synoptic gospels. Those are the first three gospels, and then John is not a part of those gospel. John is a different gospel within itself. But gospel, that word gospel is often capitalized when you say the gospel. And the message, the gospel is the message concerning Christ, the kingdom of God, and salvation. Uh, a lot of people say, well, the death, burial, and resurrection, yeah, that's, that's part of the gospel. That's a, a proponent, a component of the gospel. But it's also not the complete picture. There's the glad tidings. There's a whole lot that's a part of the whole. The message of teachings of a religious leader is also a gospel. Whether it be, like I told you, they had other gospels. And you'll see somewhere where it says the gospel of Thomas, the gospel of Barnabas, the gospel of Judas, the gospel of... uh, Gospel is just uh, instructions of teachings of a religious leader. Buddhism, Islam, or whatever they have, though that's their set of teachings, it is something accepted or promoted as infallible truth, uh, as a guiding principle, a uh, uh, doctrine, and that's what I say. We see in us in Christianity believe that there's, there's only one gospel. There's no other gospel. That all of the rest of the gospels would be what false gospels there would be a perversion of the true gospel. And Jesus Christ had declared that that's a, in, in exclusive club de belong to the church's exclusive organization. We're seeing some of the ramifications of this, both religiously and politically now, as a lot of people in Christianity try to conjoin or conflate the two, and which is not possible in this world, God hadn't said it that way. He calls his people out of the world, whereas national Christianity or some other religions seem as though they think they're going to take over the world. And we're not looking at taking over the world. We're looking at a transformation of this world passing away and God's kingdom coming. His kingdom will be here on earth in the preparatory period that we're in. That's part of the glad tidings. The good news is the kingdom of God is at hand. It's a, also a future as, aspect of that gospel, but it's a, although it's a present reality to us. That, that's what the that seventh verse is, that we should make it a present reality that our God reigns, that Jesus Christ have defeated the enemy that we're living in victory and that we have dominion. And if we would awaken to that teaching, to that preaching, to the Word of God, then the only way we can do that is to hear a preacher preaching. You know, how can they be saved without a preacher? And how can they be preached? How can they preach without being sent? Now, God also said that there were a lot that would come that He had not sent the book of Jeremiah where he was talking about the false prophets. He said, I hadn't sent them not, but yet and still they ran or they, they claimed that I had sent them. But there's only life in one gospel. 
And that's the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And what he came was preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God. Uh, I was telling you about what gospel was. Uh, you may have heard the old saying is uh, something that's accepted or promoted as an infallible truth of guiding principle when somebody said, well, that's the gospel. In other words, they took someone's word as gospel. What that person says is true. Uh, like the words of Ahithophel, they, they felt that Ahithophel had the wisdom from God and whatever Ahithophel said was of God. It was godly. It was wisdom from God. The Bible kind of testifies to that fact. But you can't get twisted around. You must know and understand the gospel. You have to be born again. You have to have something in you to help confirm because God has to give you spiritual ears to hear. Without having spiritual ears, you can't hear. Now, there are synonyms for the gospel, and that's where we can look at other philosophies. A philosophy, uh, a creed, a credo, dogma, ideology, uh, testament, all of those are synonyms for the word gospel. And I tell you, we were to preach or declare or bring good tidings to the, to, to the world. As Jesus Christ had commissioned us, he says, go ye into all the world, making disciples, preaching and teaching them. So he had given us a body of teaching uh, to go out and make a proclamation of uh, he had given us a ministry of reconciliation we that are born again had been reconciled unto God and as he sent the apostles out and he said that we uh, they would believe on him through their word through those words the apostles word but also through those words of those who heard the apostle in other words this is to be carried on what we have here now and this day and age these 2,000 years later is because of what Jesus told his apostles those are the seeds that they had planted and we're to continue sowing seed in the Old Testament it's more or less figurative and it's not literal about he that published the gospel it says, uh, how beautiful upon the mountains of the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth uh, peace, that bringeth the good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation. That's not to be taken literally. We see in the New Testament where that, that has spiritual uh, a spiritual application in the tone here for the latter-day church, that being a dual prophecy. Some of it wasn't dual because we don't see that the enemy wasn't reserved to not come back to Zion in that first verse when it says, From henceforth there shall no more come unto thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. We know that that did happen to Jerusalem, that during Christ's time, uncircumcised and unclean was coming into the temple. But in this latter day, as Jesus Christ fights against church. He, he, he's going to fight against the church. He's going to fight against everything that's not like him. According to the book of Daniel, it's holy people shall rise up. No unclean shall be in the house of the Lord. So he had given us 
his the sons and daughters of God, it has been incumbent upon us to present our bodies as living sacrifices to carry on his ministry. Each and every one of us have had that charge because what he say to one, he say to all. And uh, it may be different uh, strata or different realms in which uh, vocations in which he gives us the call. He hadn't made all of us preachers or uh, teachers, but we we are to do the work of evangelists. But some of us aren't in different positions as would be the apostles or the pastors or teachers had given gifts unto the church. So we, we must know where we fit in the body of Christ and we must talk to him to see our purpose in life and just what it is we should be doing. Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter, 18 through the 19th verse says, And all things are of God who had reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and had given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them and had committed us unto the world and committed unto us the word of reconciliation that is his gospel his instructions in the amplified ver- version that reads but all of these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ making us acceptable unto God. He has justified us. He has put us in proper standing. And he is sanctifying us by his word. We're being set apart by his word. We're being consecrated by his word. The sanctification and the washing of the word. And he gives us a clear conscience toward God, which the blood of bulls and goats, it couldn't wipe away sin. It couldn't wipe away the guilt of sin. But we know now that those of us that are born again, that there is no condemnation to us in Christ Jesus, that he had liberated us from bondage. There is no sting of death. The grave has no victory over us. He had given us eternal life. That's part of the good news. That's part of the proclamation that in him we have life. Those of us that believe on him, we have eternal life. We've been placed in back in right standing. We've been reconciled unto God as though sin never occurred. This never happened. He has forgiven us. He has forgotten our sin. He has passed them as far as the east is from the west. It says, making us acceptable unto him and gave us the ministry of reconciliation so that by our example we might bring others to Christ. In other words, as we're walking in light and the people see our walk, they see our talk, they see, in other words, that's why it says, beautiful are the feet of him that publish it or bring it good tidings of good life. Our life has to be a clean life. It has to be an admirable life to where someone else would see the hope that lied in you and they would ask you, well, what caused you to live this way? What gives you the joy in the peace that you have. It would be something that would be envious to others and they would desire that so people would see that and then we would have a chance, we would have an open door to administer the word of God unto them. 
that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not counting people's sins against them, but he was canceling those sins. That's why it says, repent, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is, is at hand. So it's something we must do. We must turn away from our sin. But we must have of his spirit. He gives us of his spirit to help us turn. As Jeremiah says, turn me and I'll be turned. So there's a work that the spirit's working in us. This regeneration that the spirit is doing in us is part of the good news that we couldn't do this. We could, by the, by the works of the flesh, we will weep. But there is a power from on high that God gives us and he births us into his family. He gives us of his spirit. To those of us who are obedient, if we would pray, if we would humble ourselves and look unto him and believe and have faith in him, well, he'll send a preacher that you can hear the preaching of the word of God. Now, this hearing comes, the faith that we're talking about comes by hearing, and it has to be hearing of the word of God. That's why I say the, those other gospels cannot save because it's not the word of God, and his words are spirit. They are life. The word of God does have life because as you simulate the word, it gives you life. It says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is what Ezekiel preached to the bones, the dry bones in the valley, and it brought flesh and sinews upon those bones, and the Spirit entered into those bones and gave them life because Adam was lifeless without the Spirit of God. He had lost the Spirit of God even though he lived a while after he ate of that tree, spiritually he was dead. And see, now we have to be spiritually born again. We have to be born of the Spirit. We can't be like the first man, Adam, the carnal of fleshly man, Adam, because the flesh, the carnal, carnal part, the aspect of me, is that enmity with God. It's in flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. That's why we have to die to self. That's why there has to be a transformation into a spiritual entity. And he had committed unto us the ministry of reconciliation. So those people that, that are not witnessing or telling others uh, don't have a testimony that, that's not speaking of Christ. Maybe they don't have anything to give to anybody else. God didn't give anything to them. They're not born again. They're none of his. Because when you get this, it's just like Jeremiah said, he can't keep silent. It's like fire shut up in your bones. You have to tell someone of this. Yes. You can't just go hide and bury this talent in the dirt. All these new things are from God who brought us back to himself through what Christ Jesus did. Christ Jesus had came and he had did a work. He had completed a work. This is the story. If we tell the gospel story, we tell of the scriptures and they are they which testify of Christ. All of the scriptures, it's about Jesus Christ. That's the focus. That's the whole theme of this thing. It's Jesus Christ. He has completed the works. Look unto him. 
If I can get your eyes on Christ and focused up on Him, then you'll walk on water. You'll do greater things. He says, And God had given us the privilege of urging everyone to come into His favor and be reconciled unto Him. For God was in Christ restoring the world to Himself, no longer counting men's sins against them, but blotting them out. This is the wonderful message He had given us to tell others. That's the living version of that. So we see that the good news, the glad tidings is that it's over. God had sent Jesus. He had completed the mission. He had given us the ability, the power to become sons of God who believe upon His name. Yes. So that's some good news. That's some good tidings. That's what we tell everybody. That's the promotional praises. That, that's, what, that's what we're going about telling. Part of the responsibility of the church of God in preaching the gospel around the world is to inform mankind how that they can be reconciled unto God. Remember I told you the death, burial, and resurrection was components of the gospel. Yes. So that, that, the doctrinal, the instructions to these, that's why I say there's very various components in this process. One of the components is repentance. Yes. You need to seek after God. You have to look unto God because unless God draws, we can't come unto Him and none of us seek after Him. So if we start seeking God, we know that God is in our lives because we can't seek God in and of ourselves. We can't go to God. God has to draw us unto Him. In many cases, people do not even know that they are separated from God. A lot of people think, well, we all brothers and sisters, we all are one Father. We, and they think, they don't realize as the layer of the sin that they are spiritually naked. That God is about to spew them out of His mouth. They know of God, but they have not a relationship with God. They don't have fellowship with God. And that's where we come in in this proclamation, the gladdings, the good tidings, and that's why Paul, he hadn't failed to declare the whole gospel, the whole counsel of God. However, all have been separated from him and all need to be reconciled to God through the redemption offered in Christ's payment of sin. So without this payment, without the blood of Christ Jesus, without that covering, it's no way you can get before God. That's your covering. He was the sacrificial lamb. You have no sin offering. You have no sacrifice. You have nothing to offer to God because you can't go before God without Christ's payment. He made that payment for sin. Without that payment, you can't be adopted. You can't be part of His family. You need a covering. You need an atonement, a propitiation for what has occurred. To do this, we must also proclaim what sin is. What sin is, as many are equally ignorant of what constitutes sin. And doing this enables them to judge their need for reconciliation through Jesus Christ. Through Christ. See, because if we start allowing and I see a lot of the churches the end fighting and the vision is coming amongst the church where they're saying that 
women shouldn't be ordained to be pastors and that same-sex marriage and homosexuals and lesbians can't leave the church or whatever. Well, the reason for that, because that's the very definition of sin. You don't have clean hands. It's not saying that you can't be in the church, but you, uh, you could be in the church knowing that you need God and that your life is a perversion of the gospel of God. It's a perversion of the doctrines that Christ came saying that let a man be joined unto a woman. You understanding what I mean? So we can't put aside the tenets and the instruction. This is another gospel once we start obliterating the lines of male and female. Don't try to twist the scripture where it says there's neither male nor female in Christ Jesus. That's a generality of meaning that there's no distinction in that, but each one of those, the man has his part to play and the woman has her part to play. It doesn't mean a conflation of the roles and that two women could say play the same role as a man and a woman or two men could play the same role as a man or a woman. You can't conflate the two because you come into doctrinal error. You can't have where a woman usurps authority over a man. That's why we have so many households today where the man is not the leader. That man is not in charge. He he came to Adam. He says, Adam, have you ate of the tree in which I told you not to? He put man as the head of each of every woman. In other words, when he say of every woman, he didn't mean every and each individual woman. It meant that the man is the head in the family, in his home. He's the priest of his household. So you're not the head of some other man's wife. You're not the head of every other woman out there, but you're in in your household in charge. Just as the pastor is is in the church, as the leader in the church, and the elders are over in the ruling in the church, we must still have structure in the home, structure in the marriage. Preaching the gospel is not just about the kingdom of God, but it includes many attendant features that flush out the understanding necessary for establishing communion with God. So Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God. But there's there's a bigger, that's a generality, but there's, he put pastors and teachers in for the edifying of the church. In other words, there's teaching. That's why it says making disciples and instructing them. The gospel of God. What, what's the gospel of God? We in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth of God, of the Word of God. John, the first, the twelfth chapter, the forty-ninth through the fifteenth verse, says, "For I have never spoken on my own initiative, authority, but the Father Himself who sent me has given me a commandment regarding what to say and what to speak. I know that His commandments is eternal life." So the things I speak, I speak in accordance with his exact instructions as the Father has told me. So we see that the gospel really is the gospel of God. 
this word that Jesus Christ came, He wasn't giving us any new commandments. He was sent by the Father. The Father had sent Him. He's the greatest. He's the apostle of, He's the great high apostle. He's the greatest sent one. The Father had sent Him. So He couldn't be greater than the Father. He came speaking what the Father had given Him, exactly what the Father had given Him. That's why we must eat the roll. We must eat the whole roll. But then we can go back and tell others. Now, we're not free to twist or turn this. And that's what Peter says. A lot of people twist the words in the gospel of what Paul's preaching and teaching because it's hard to be understood and they bring destruction unto themselves. See, we fall under many of teachers and preachers that aren't sent by God and we get some of their private interpretations and not what the Scripture said. These are men that goes out with self-ambition. Self has to be dead. We have to die to self. We have to present what God says. The preacher have to get out of the way and let the Word of God speak. They have to see Christ, not the preacher. He's not to make himself of a reputation. The living says, but all who reject me and my message will be judged at the day of judgment by the truth that I have spoken. For these are not my own ideas, but I have told you what the Father said to tell you. And know this, and know his instructions lead to eternal life. So whatever he tells me to say, I say. So that's all the apostles did. That's all any preacher do. You say what thus said. Say what God give you to say. You, you don't 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 try to dress it up. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Preach it when people don't want to hear. So they don't want to hear this doctrine. They don't want to hear the gospel about the woman shouldn't usurp authority over a man. He didn't want, they don't want to hear that, it, Adam, because you had listened unto your wife. You know, we breaking down walls that shouldn't be broken down. We're changing. We're not being conservative in the aspect of the gospel. That's not the good news. That's a concept of God that you have and your own mind have. So it's a perversion of the gospel. It's a perversion of the gospel that we are all our own little gods. No. We're brothers of Jesus Christ, but we all have one Father. So he says, those that do the will of my Father, those that uh, follow my doctrine and my teaching, those are my brothers and sisters. There were, that therein where, the, where the unity lies. Well, now we see where Christ's message originate from. Even though he spoke the word authority, just like Paul spoke the word authority, is that's because as you assimilate the word of God, it's in your DNA. It's what God made you and who he made you. He's just bringing it alive now because he had chosen us from the foundations of the world. By the watering of the word, we're becoming awoke, we're quickened, we're made alive by the word of God. As we assimilate the word of God, we grow. As we hear the word of God, that's when we start turning on all of those around us that's not like us because we're hearing the Father's voice. Yes. It's like Jesus says, woman, what I have to do with you? Don't, didn't you know I have to be about my Father's business? Yes. 
And those of us that are of God, we know that don't hold. Leave him alone. Whatever he say, do, do it. Because he's following God's word. We start lining up. If you notice when Ezekiel was preaching the word of God, the hip bone found the leg bone and the ankle bone, but it wasn't that the hip bone went and joined to the shoulder bone. The hip bone got in the socket and in the place where it's supposed to be. There's a place in the body of Christ that we should occupy. We're living stones. If I wasn't made to be a teacher or preacher, I wouldn't assume the position of a preacher or teacher. I would get to where God had made me to fit at in the body of Christ because nothing else can fit in my spot. It is my spot. God had created it for me and me for it. Jesus spoke only what his father had told him to speak. Thus our Messiah, Jesus Christ, was a messenger from the Father bringing the message of God's plans for all of mankind, the message of the new covenant. He was the the messenger of this new covenant. He came up and proclaimed this. Malachi 3 and 1 says, Behold, I'm going to send my messenger, and he will prepare and clear the way before me. And the Lord, that is the Messiah whom you seek, will suddenly come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he's coming, says the Lord of hosts. And I proclaim that he's here. He has come. He is arisen and he reigns. My God reigns. Doesn't it say that here? That my God reigns. That our God reigns. Look at that 7 verse says. That publish it salvation. That say it under Zion. Thy God reigns. The God of this earth no longer reigns. The God of this world no longer reigns. My God reigns. God had given him all power and all authority and according to his prophecy. That's what we're talking about. That's part of the gospel is that the prophecy says about the gospel being preached into all the world. And according to that prophecy is that we shall rule and reign with him. That's why he says, put on our beautiful garments. Those are garments of Christ. Those are our priestly garments. He's taken off the filthy garments. Now we're putting on priestly garments. Those of us that rule and reign with him. Uh, The gospel of God, the gospel of Jesus, and the gospel of the kingdom are the same gospel. All of those are synonymous. It originated in God. It was proclaimed by his son and tells of the coming rule of our God and our part in it that thy kingdom come and thy will be done. The kingdom of God is among us, but it's also within us. And if we're in that kingdom and ruling and reigning, we don't fret ourselves because what we see is also cause of this proclamation the evildoers are being cut off. There is a judgment. That's why I say, now the good news is good news to some, but it's damnation to others. Because those that don't believe the gospel, they shall be damned. Those that reject the gospel, they got a problem. You can't reject the word of truth. Who is doing the work of God? Romans 1 and 15 says, So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. 
Now, why was Paul so much yearning and hammering and yammering to preach the gospel to people that were already converted? We know the Roman church was already converted. It was established. This was the church of the Romans. There were brothers in Romans. They had. This is no new ground he's breaking. He said this because in a major way, the entire Bible is the gospel. So you need to preach. That's why, you know, I preach from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament. Because we shall live by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. It's line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. We can't throw none of it out. It all fits right there together. It's finally woven together. There's no contradiction in it. It may seem paradoxical to us or whatever, but it's consistent. It's very consistent. The good news encompasses far more than the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ or his return to establish the kingdom of God. That was like I was telling you about that minister that we had uh, that would go, they would call him OX 238. Well, we have to get past baptisms. We can't just keep preaching the doctrine of baptism. We, we can't, in other words, this has to turn out to be a survival mission. It can no longer be just a recovery mission. We have to go on to higher heights. We can't keep tilling the same ground. That's why the way the Bible is structured, you have teachers. So you need to get in a younger class of go to them that buy and sell because we've studied that. We know what that means. We need to go deeper in the Lord. We need to go to a better understanding. The writer of Hebrews says in the sixth chapter, the first verse says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permit. So we need to start digging in and start studying to show ourselves approved. And there's a lot of studying we need to do. God's word is eternal, but it's infinite also. We'll forever be learning about this. Let us go up to the house of the Lord to learn. And that's why it says, forsake not the assembling together of of ourselves. Now, he said this because the major way he said this because in a major way the entire Bible is the gospel in that he said to the one group he says I hadn't failed to declare all of the counsel of God unto you. In other words he had given them all that he knew or all that God had given him to give to a particular church and it's universal that's why in some areas some preachers may be preaching different things or whatever but they're being led by the Spirit of God. So he's preaching what's, what's needed by that assembly. And as the word go out into the entire world, I always tell my members and other people, listen at the word of God. You can listen to other preachers and other teachers. They say, try the spirits to see whether they are God. I would rather you listening to other preachers and preaching and teaching in the word of God 
and then listening at the match game of Price is Right and sitting up there watching TV all day or playing on your computer and computer games all day. Man shall live by every word that proceeded out of him. So if you hunger and thirsting for righteousness, those of us that pursue the word of God most, it's going to pay off those dividends to us that study the word of God and walk in and do the word of God. That's what it's causing us to. The good news encompasses four more. Uh, where am I at here? The Bible's instruction is about God's whole purpose and way of life for mankind until God the Father comes and the new Jerusalem is established on the earth as his headquarters. So the new Jerusalem, that Zion that's coming down that no unclean will ever enter into, is it's happening, but there's a preparatory stage going on that his will is being done in this earth. And his people are helping bring about that will by the preaching and teaching of God's word. And as it come into others' lives, they go fight against that word. They go struggle against. But it's God's go bring judgment upon them because when you fight against the truth, that's what blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is. When you speak against the truth, fight against the truth of God. You're condemning sin in your flesh, the things of God. So as we stand and fight this sacrificial body, presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, whether it be with our spouses, our relatives, whoever it be, as God give you the faith and the strength to speak, you speak what God had given you, you declare those words. But if you're afraid to be steadfast and immovable in the faith, you won't grow. Your children will come up ruling over you. You'll never be in charge of your own home. You'll never be in charge of your job and your church or wherever you be. And when I say in charge, and I mean walking in the authority, the maturity, the perfection that God had given you to walk in, and you need an understanding of wisdom in God to even understand what I just said. Because if you have carnal ears, that perversion and self-ambition will kick in and you will be doing something completely carnal of something in the flesh and that's what's going to doom you. You have to humble yourself and follow after God. Act and get in communication with God. You have to learn to speak to God for yourself and walk by faith, being led by His Spirit. Each and every one of us individually has to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's possible through the Spirit. Revelations 19 and 10 says, Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he stopped me and said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers and sisters who have and hold the testimony of Jesus Christ, of Jesus worship God alone. Some people worship man. They fall down before they follow man. You shouldn't worship any man. That's where that stops at. No preacher, when, when I get somebody that's hanging on every word, and uh, hold on now, you're getting too attached to me. You go fool around here and make God take me out of here if I become an idol to you or something, or you worshiping me. Don't put me before God. Now, don't put me in that place. I'm just a conduit through which God's word flow, through which his spirit flow. 
Don't put your eyes in the wrong way or the wrong way. And don't you boost me up to that. That's a dangerous position to be in. We must be aware of that. The angel was aware of that. Just like John the Baptist, he said, I must decrease, he must increase. But not the false prophets and the false preachers and the women and people in this day and age and the people of the world. They want you to be given unto them. He says, I'm a fellow man and have a testimony of Jesus Christ. Worship him alone. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. His life and his teachings are the heart of prophecy. That's what the testimony of Jesus is, the spirit of prophecy. The angel used interesting combinations of words to describe the gospel. The gospel is prophetic. It's about things to come. It's about a present reality. And he calls the testimony of Jesus Christ, which is the gospel of the kingdom of God, the spirit of prophecy. So that's why when Moses said, I wish they would all prophesy. Peter had daughters that prophesied. What is prophesy? Speaking the word of God. It's not necessarily speaking forthcoming things to happen, but it's speaking the word of God. And that's what we should do, speak the word of God. That's what never changes. If we end the word and the word in us, that's what strength, that's how we establish the power of God, the gospel establishes us. Uh, spirit is used in the sense of the character and the nature of the thing. And so if we are in the spirit of God, and that's why he says he gave us of the Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit, that's the essence of the thing. That's the essence of what Jesus Christ is. That's the zeal. That, that's what gives us a, a, a substance that's the beauty of having a spirit it says Sarah had a spirit an ornamental spirit a quiet spirit a spirit of a woman that wasn't forward that called Abraham Lord so there is a spirit essence that's here and the essence means the nature of something of the character of that nature what that main part the heart of the core of the real of the ultimate ultimate nature of the thing is is that we carry the in that seal of God that's in us the nature of Christ is abiding in us that's how that's who we are what we are that's what's making the internal working on the external it's making us love and it's making us even love our enemy because that's what God is. And being sons of God, we have that spirit. That's how we cry, Abba, Father. We're looking unto God. we focused upon Jesus Christ for all of these things. Uh, the good news. Mark, first chapter, 14 to the 15 verse. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the appointed period of time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, that is, change your inner self and your old way of thinking. Regret past sins and live your life in a way that proves repentance. Seek God's purpose for your life. Find out His purpose. Seek His purpose for your life. And believe with a deep abiding trust in the good news, that is, 
in the good news regarding salvation, that we had been saved unto salvation. Jesus Christ preached a specific gospel, and it was the good news concerning the kingdom of God that he was established and setting up a kingdom here on earth and that we will go rule and reign in that kingdom and that we were children of God and whatever it took for us in that kingdom to help establish it, ask the Father in Jesus' name and he would give it to us. Now it's not just about himself, but it's about the, the gospel of the kingdom of God. It's the good news about that restoration, that restored kingdom, that he's restoring all things according to the book of Acts. It says, so repent. The third chapter of Acts, the 19th through the 21st verse says, repent, that is, change your inner self, your old way of thinking, and regret those past sins. You're going to start living in remorse. You're going to start hating what you were and what you did, the old you. And you will put that old you to death and every time he emerged, you will be able to see him because you will be focused on the gospel of the word of God and it you will see that old you. It's going to be a mirror we're looking into and we're going to have to put him to death. What we used to do and the way we used to think. He says, and return to God, that is Seek why are you here? What purpose he have here? What he wants you to do? We need to be doing something for God. We need to be laborers in his vineyard. Each one of us has a task to do for the for God. And I ask the church, that's one of the prayers I ask you to consistently pray, that he send more laborers into the vineyard. That if the harvest is right, but we need more people to bring in this crop. We need more laborers in the vineyard. It says, so that the times of our reflection is at hand may come from the presence of the Lord, so that your sins may be wiped away, that is, blotted out completely, restoring you like a cool wind on a hot day, and that he may send to you Jesus the Christ, who has been appointed for you, whom heaven must keep until the time uh, for the complete restoration of all things about which God promised through the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient time. Jesus is that king. Jesus is the king of a literal kingdom. That kingdom will be here on earth. That's why we said, thy kingdom come. He's going to rule and reign. He's going to sit up on that throne. It's He's going to reign over the whole earth according to John, the 18th chapter, the 36th through the 37th verse, Revelations, the 5th chapter, and the 10th verse, the 19th chapter, and the 11th through the 16th verse, the 20th through the 20th chapter, 4th through the 6th verse. The gospel explains not only that he is coming, but also how we can be a part of that kingdom. Now that's some good news. How we can have an integral part and a use in this kingdom. So what is the gospel, the good news? Some people say, well, just believe on the name of Jesus and you'll be saved. And that's, that is part, that's a component of it. But that's not the whole thing. Many preachers have that message. I'm going to have to go on with this part. I don't think I have enough time to break that ground into where I'm 
headed there and elaborate on it in the little time I have left. But we know that Satan was the god of this world and his time is coming to an end along with the time of the Gentiles. That's going to be synonymous. It's going to end at the same time. But as Jesus Christ's reign comes when he delivers up the kingdom to the Father, the kingdom has four basic elements. A king, which is Jesus Christ, which his Sabbath shall be established. We will help establish the word of God. It has a territory which it occupies, and that's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And the subjects within that territory would be us, but there's another portion that we have to go deeper into the Word of God to understand because he said that us, the church, shall inherit the heathen. And we know that the church, if it's ruling and reigning with Christ, we must he must have servants and things that they're reigning over, that they're ministering and teaching too. There has to be another level under the church, and that's why he called the church the first fruits of the harvest. The first fruits. Because we've been so busy, the devil has kept us so occupied, not looking deeper and deeper and saying, well, why is he preparing a church to rule and reign, and why did he say that we shall inherit the heathen? Because those laws have to be kingdom-wide. When we accept his laws, that's when the lifestyle of children would go into hundreds of years. That's when the deserts, water will flow in the deserts, in other words, dry places. That's when the earth, no more animals will hurt or kill in its holy mountain. We'll see a vestige of this. If we start studying the word of God, that's when he's going to suddenly appear to us and we will see this as he see it from his perspective. And I think that there's a lot of people out there that's starting to get this revelation and these dreams from God and eating to understand that this good news is something that we hadn't been hearing preach, but the revelation and the preaching of it is coming now in that the more we strive a strain to get this vision, the more this good news will come our way. And the kingdom that he's saying, it's, if it's among us, that means we could take advantage of it right now because he told Peter, you shall have houses and all of these things, not only in this life, but in the life to come. So the kingdom preaches a time of jubilee, a time of restoration back to what the caterpillar and the canker worm has eaten and taken and destroyed. That which the devil stole and harangued from us, that's going to be repaid in this life. We will see an abundance that the rain, the blessings will be bestowed in this life upon this earth. There's going to be a David time in this new kingdom. A kingdom when relationships won't be the same as they are now because 
we're going to start coming to our place in the body of Christ and at the table of Christ. And that's good news. That's really good news. And when we start hearing good news, we start telling others to be silent or we start tuning out the world and everything else to hear actually what God's Word is saying because you mean I have this power and ability in me now and I'm just not using it, I'm not activating it, and when I start acting upon it by faith that these things shall come to pass and it's available because you said the kingdom of God is at hand. We need to open our eyes. Heavenly Fathers, we come before you this day, Lord God. Help us to go deeper in your word, Lord God. Help us to hear of your news, Lord God, and not just watch the local news, Lord God, but start to delve into the 60 minutes of the thing and keep it deep in a deeper, deeper dive of your word, Lord God, to study and research your word, Lord God. Give us more time to look in your word and research it and become more acquainted with you, Lord God, in the meaning and the fulfillment of that word in the walk in your prosperity and your blessings that you had given us at this time. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.